thank you. We thank you that we are free in you and that our true freedom can only be found in you. We just thank you for that, Lord. We praise you for that. And we just want to invite you here this morning in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you guys. Welcome to uh, Northridge Church. Obviously, that video kind of sets up what we are getting ready to do this week, isn't it? We are getting ready to celebrate Independence Day. We're getting ready to celebrate our freedom and and really more specifically when we started our freedom. We're celebrating that moment when we declared together we are free. We are independent and, and we have our freedom. And so that's what it is. Uh, and that's what we're going to be doing. So we're going to wrap up today the Live Free series. Today is the last day of the Live Free series. And today is Declaration of Freedom. Very appropriate, I would say, as we go into this week, right? The, uh, as we celebrate the Declaration of Independence. And, uh, and that's kind of what the 4th of July and all that stuff is all about. But um, for those of you, before we get really deep into this, for those of you, I know we have several that are brand new today, never been here before, we want to say welcome to you. We're glad that you're here and checking us out on this holiday weekend, uh, so to speak. Uh, thanks for being here. We also want you to know that Northridge Church is a safe place for you, no matter where you're at with God. Maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you do believe in God. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. Maybe you just started. No matter where you're at, uh, if you open your Bible every day or if you've never opened it, this is a safe place for you where you can ask real questions of us and what it means to follow Jesus on a daily relevant basis. And that's what we get excited about here at Northridge. And so we're going to get into this. When you think of the 4th of July or Independence Day, just think about it for a minute. What do you typically think of? Most people think of maybe, what, fireworks. All right, I think of fireworks. Uh, maybe we think of grilling out. I think of food all the time. So I just specifically think on the 4th of July, like of grilling out type food, you know, but uh, we think about food. We think about getting together, warm weather, parties, you know, a day off. Uh, I think of my birthday because my birthday's on the 4th of July. Uh, Cool extra fact. He may not want me to tell you this, but Todd Schmidt, our drummer, his birthday's on the 4th of July. So wish him happy birthday. Uh, And it's just kind of interesting. And and it's cool that the whole country celebrates our birthday. Uh, Like, it's awesome. I, I don't know what made us so special. But anyway, it's one of those things. No, but, but we, we think about all these things. But why is it that we have a day off? Why is it a national holiday? Why do we do all those things? The reason is because we celebrate freedom, isn't it? Because we are celebrating the opportunity, the experience that we have to be free. Well, here's what I want to do today. 
Today I want to take, uh, you guys know I, I was a history teacher before I was a pastor, right? And so this is one of those things where this is kind of exciting for me to do. But what I want to do is today I want to do some parallels between the signing of the Declaration of Independence and how it parallels some things in Scripture as to how we find freedom in our souls. So there's some interesting parallels between how we gain political freedom by declaring independence, by signing that document that day in 1776, July 4th. There's some parallels between that and how we find freedom in Christ, how we find freedom in our relationship with God through Jesus. And so I'm going to do some uh, parallels. So whether or not you wanted a history lesson today, you get one. Uh, So welcome to it, right? I'm just kidding. We won't spend a lot of time on the history side. We're going to spend a lot more time on the scripture side uh, of things, which is what we typically do anyway. Um, So let me just jump in the first parallel, right? The first parallel, in order for us to experience freedom, and this is a parallel that goes politically, but also within our soul, okay? So this, this parallels both historically and for us personally in our relationship with God, okay? The first parallel, the first point is this. We need to recognize, first of all, that something is wrong, right? The first thing that we need to understand if we, if we, is that we have a lack of freedom. We need to understand that freedom does not exist for us at the moment, Okay, and so the signers of the Declaration of Independence, they had to first recognize that there was a problem, right? Why did they get together in July of 1776? Why did they do that? It was called the Second Continental Congress. That's, that was, that's what the group was called. And these people gathered together in a room. And the reason they did that was because they all recognized, the whole 13 colonies recognized something was amiss. Something was off. Something was wrong. The, the British, the Great Britain, their sovereign nation was, was treating them very, very badly in a lot of different ways. And you may not know this, but if you look at the Declaration of Independence, this is just, you know, this is very interesting to me. You guys can just pretend to be interested today, okay? But, but the Declaration of Independence, if you, I don't know if you've ever read it, okay? I have. I've read the Declaration of Independence. I'm probably one of the few Americans who have ever read that thing, okay? Because it's not that fascinating. But it is, what is interesting, and what a lot of people don't know is, you know, we know the first, like, paragraph, you know, we declare because of such and such, we hold these things to be all this stuff, right? But what we don't know is it f- is followed by a whole list of more than 20 grievances, things that they said, this is why we're declaring freedom. It's because this and this and this and over 20 of them. This is what the king's doing. This is what you guys are doing. This is how you're treating us. You literally are doing all these things that are horrible, awful things to us. In fact, a lot of people don't know this, but if I were to ask you what started the war for independence for us as a nation, Okay, you, th- this is going to be fun because you're going to go to your grill. You're going to be able to share all kinds of useless information to them, right? They're going to be like, hey, did you know? And they're going to be like, I don't care. <laughs> Let's just have another brat, right? But, but the truth is, um, when, if we ask what started the war for independence, we would maybe think the Declaration of Independence. When we sign that sucker, they're like, the, the British are like, oh, it's on now, right? That's what we typically think of. But what we don't know a lot of times is that the war had started a year before the Declaration of Independence. Did you know that? The shot heard round the world, okay? That started a year before the Declaration of Independence ever happened, okay? The reason the Declaration happened was because there was already a lot wrong. There was a lot that was off. So this is our first point. 
For us, spiritually speaking, it's the same. The parallel is the same. If we are going to experience freedom in Christ, if we're going to find joy and peace in this life, we must first realize that we don't have it. This world seeks to show us and tell us that we do have it. But the truth is, we need to recognize that there is a problem. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 actually tell us what the problem is. It talks about how we are before we accept Christ. It says they are this way. Before we accept Christ, this is how we are. Okay, let me read what it says. It says, their minds, before we accept Christ, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They don't care. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. This is talking about the the problem of sin, right? This is talking about that we all are born into this problem that we all have sin. We all are born separated from freedom. We're all born in bondage, in slavery to sin. We're all born into this this bondage to this culture, to our world, to sin, to, to go against God. We all have this. We have to recognize this problem. So let me give just kind of an analogy of this because I think what happens in our culture, and, and for, I know that this happens to me sometimes, we can easily get lost and all of a sudden we can go through a week. Do you guys ever do this? I sometimes can go through a week where I've really not thought about God much at all. Have you ever had a week like that? Maybe where it's just busy, you've had guests at your house, you've just been getting stuff done, your kids have had some 12 things every day, Right? There's a practice and then you have to get them from that practice to the next practice and then you have 12 other kids that have other practice. Maybe not 12. But you get what I'm saying. I'm exaggerating just a bit. But you just kind of go through your week and then all of a sudden you finally get to Sunday and you realize, yeah, I haven't even thought about God at all. Or maybe just every now and then. I threw up a prayer on my way to work. Okay? And, and I think we slowly kind of get wrapped up in this culture and in our world, and we don't realize that there's a problem. Okay, let me give an illustration of this. Uh, how, you've probably heard of the analogy of the frog in the hot water versus the frog in the cool water that gets warmed up. Have you heard of this analogy? Where if you drop a frog into hot water, then the, the, the analogy goes that the frog will hit that hot water and recognize, whoa, that's too hot, and jump out immediately. All right, I hope you've never done this, okay? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I can see it. You're spinning, okay? But you drop it in hot water, the frog is going to jump out. But the analogy works this way. If you would maybe put a frog into lukewarm or cool water and then slowly heat it up, the frog may not be able to recognize it, and then you have frog soup, right? I know, and that's fun to think about, all right? Because the frog does not recognize that there's a problem. It's subtle enough. It's slow enough, it's gradual enough that eventually the frog will not realize. Now, let me just tell you, I'm going to destroy this analogy for you. The analogy is not true. We tried this, doesn't work. It's a myth. It really is. This is actually taught in classes and things like that. Like it's it's true that this is actually going to happen, but but it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. But the analogy still works because the truth is, I think that this world, our culture, tends to woo us to itself and we slowly gradually drift further and further and further away from God until all of a sudden and I see this happen all the time all of a sudden it's been months since anybody's been to church 
You know, I've had somebody come back in and say, well, it hasn't been that long. I said, I didn't, I haven't seen you since last year. And they go, it hasn't been that long. I say, it has. And that's not guilt. I'm just saying, no, I, I like, I don't even, you know, sometimes I don't even remember their name. And we drift, we slowly, and I'm not saying church attendance is the key. I'm just using that as an example. We slowly drift from God. I do that too. And we need to recognize that there is a problem in order for us to actually find freedom, right? There's no way we're going to try to find freedom if we don't realize we have a lack of freedom. We have to realize that there's a lack of freedom in our lives, spiritually speaking, that we need something else, all right? So that's the first step. We need to recognize there's a problem. The second parallel is this. We need to take steps toward freedom. We need to take action. We need to do something, okay? The signers of the Declaration, what did they do? They recognized there was a problem. There were all these more than 20 grievances that they put on there. But then they had to do something about it. It was not enough to have coffee with each other, right? And sit around and be like, oh, those British, man. Man, I wish they, man, let's dump some tea in the harbor, you know? Or let's do, you know, it's not enough to just talk about all the grievances. They knew something had to be done to secure freedom. So they met together. In fact, I have a picture. They met together in Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Okay? This is actually a picture of that room. Isn't that cool? See, this is where I get excited, and you guys go, I don't care. But that's okay. You can act like you're excited. If this is the room where this stuff was taken care of. This is where this all happened. Okay? This is where they signed the Declaration of Independence. This is where they debated about it. This is where they determined all this kind of stuff. And as a result of that, this is actually the result. Let's go to the next one. The result was this. This is actually a rough draft written. This is the actual rough draft written by Thomas Jefferson. Okay? This is the rough draft. This is when they were in the room kind of going, eh, that doesn't sound right. You notice the crossouts, right? And all the little side notes. And then he's got some words on the side and the margins, all that kind of stuff. This is the rough draft of the Declaration of Independence that was written by Thomas Jefferson. And then eventually they went back and then they, they had Thomas Jefferson and I think two or three other guys. There was a small handful of them. They go out and they kind of make it all look pretty, right? They make it look right. They write it in nice, pretty, very pretty flowing script and all that stuff. And then we have a, a, a picture of the final draft. This is the final draft. And then it looked better. <laughs> okay, they wanted to look good, okay, and, and all this. But all that in there, it's listing that they're declaring freedom and all the grievances and all that kind of stuff. Okay, This is the result of them taking action to gain freedom. They had to do something about it. It was not enough just to say, yeah, there's a bunch of problems. Man, those British, I can't stand them. It wasn't enough just to talk about it. It was a, it, They had to take action. They had to do something about it. And so we have the Declaration of Independence. And now, guess what? We celebrate a free country to this day. If they wouldn't have done that, we maybe never would have had that. A group of people had to take action to secure not only their freedom, but the freedom for a lot of other people. And we reap the benefits of that today, to this day. So how is this parallel with us spiritually? The same is true for us spiritually. It's not enough just to think about God. It's not, it's not enough to recognize just that there's a problem. In order for us to gain freedom in Christ, we need to take a step, don't we? We need to take action on something on some level, some way. And how do we do that? Well, Ephesians 4, same chapter, just a couple of verses later, tells us how to do that. It talked about the problem, then it tells us what we need to do. Listen to what it says. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, 
and your former way of life, the old ways, all the stuff that you used to do, how you have been living with no freedom, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, now let the Spirit, let God renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. In other words, what this is saying is we need to take action. When we are faced with a couple of truths, which is, okay, I am in sin, I am separated from God, then what do I need to do about it? Well, I need to take action. And what this says is we need to throw off, throw off our old way of life, our old way of thinking, our past way of doing things. Okay? And isn't that really what the Declaration of Independence was? Weren't they basically saying, okay, this is the past, this is what's been happening. We are declaring freedom from that. We are declaring that there is going to be a new day, a new way of doing things, a new life. Well, in the same way, Jesus has offered us a new way of life. And so what this is saying is we need to throw off the old way of doing things and accept the new way. So what does this mean for us? Well, what it means is we need to determine where we're at. Okay? What you need to determine right now, this morning, you need to ask yourself this question. Have I accepted freedom for my soul? Have you accepted freedom for your soul? Yes, you're free in this country. Go where you want, do what you want, say what you want. It's awesome. It's good. It's an amazing country. That doesn't necessarily mean you have freedom. Are you in bondage to sin in this life? Have you accepted the only one who can give you freedom in your soul, which is who you really are? We can look like we have freedom on the outside, but what really matters is whether or not we have freedom on the inside, in the essence of who we are. And so that becomes the question. We have to answer that question in order to know what the next step is. If we're going to take action, what is the next step? Well, if you've never accepted Christ, if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, taking him on as Lord and Savior of your life, then that's your next step. And I understand it's a scary step, and I understand you may not know exactly how to do that. In fact, we're going to give an opportunity for that later. Because I believe that there are people, not only in this room, but there are people all around us who need to find freedom in Christ to free their souls from the bondage, from the sin that's, that's there. And so the step, we, we ask the step, but, um, let, me, let me put it this way. Maybe you've never accepted Christ, and maybe, uh, maybe one of the reasons is because you are unsure of what you believe. Maybe you would say, you know, I've seen a Bible before. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it on my shelf. <laughs> I've seen it on somebody else's shelf. I've seen a big one version of it now on a table. It looks pretty, right? Maybe you know about the Bible. Maybe you've heard of God. Maybe you've heard of Jesus. Okay, it seems crazy in our country that this is the case, but increasingly this is the case, that people have heard about the Bible, about God, and about Jesus, but they don't know God. And they don't know the Bible. They don't know Jesus. There is a huge chasm of difference in that. So if you're here and you would say, I don't know anything about that. I'm not even sure if I believe. I have a lot of questions. Well, here is my encouragement to you. 
you want to find freedom for your soul, you've got to take action to find the way to get that freedom. You've got to start asking the questions. What I find is most of the time we don't bring it up because we don't like to talk about things of faith with other people. It's scary to us. Of course it's normal for me because that's, those are the questions I usually get, right? So I have to talk about it all the time, which I'm glad to do. I, I actually love that I get to do that. But for most of us, we typically don't talk about that. We talk about the Packers. We talk about the Brewers. We talk about our job. We talk about, you know, whatever, the weather, you know, how nice it is. That's the go-to phrase, right? How is it? Oh, it's nice today, right? That's what we do. We talk about that stuff because it's easy. But when it gets down to things of faith, so let me just encourage you. Like the signers of the decoration, don't just live in the problem. Don't just live in the unknown. If you have questions about God, about Jesus, find somebody who's walking with Jesus. Find somebody who's got, who's a Christian, who's a follower of Christ, and start picking their brain. Start grilling them. And if they don't have the answers, hopefully they're a good enough Christian to say, I don't know. Let's figure it out together. Do you know how often I say that? And I'm a pastor. I say it all the time. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's try to figure it out. Or let me look it up and I'll get back to you. But we need to open the door of conversation to kind of figure this out. We need to take action towards freedom. All right, last parallel, third one. We need to make a commitment. We need to make a commitment. It's not enough just to recognize the problem. It's not enough just to say, hey, we need to take action. Then once we've done those things, once we recognize there's a problem and we decide, okay, yeah, we're going to take action, then the third part of this is we need to make a choice. We need to make a commitment to it. Okay, um, after they put the Declaration of Independence together, remember I showed you that picture? After they did that, they probably did what I consider to be the most important step in the process. I'm glad that they figured out the right wording and it sounded good. I'm glad that they wrote it really nice, you know, so we can display it in a museum, right? And it looks pretty, we're like, wow, look at that, the Declaration of Independence, woohoo, right? All those things. And I'm glad that they did all that. And I'm glad that they took the time to get the words right. But they probably, the last step was probably the most important step. You know what the last step was? The last step was that they had to put their names on it. In fact, I have a picture of what that looks like. Okay? All of these people in that room, they, they, they put the Declaration of Independence and then they signed their names on paper. And then do you know what happened with this Declaration of Independence? They took this and they passed it out everywhere, all over the 13 colonies. Of course, eventually it got over to Great Britain. It got all over the world. It went everywhere. Remember, they're already at war with Great Britain. The soldiers are already on our soil. They're in the colonies. There are British loyalists everywhere, everywhere. And by the way, some of them were secret. You didn't know who they were. They were actually spies for the British in the colonies. And then they are signing their name to this and just, just, just understand what these, what these guys did. Okay? When they signed their name, they're going public with their commitment. They are saying, hey, I am all in. We are declaring freedom. And yes, this is who I am. I'm signing my name to it. By the way, John Hancock had no reservations, did he? <laughs> He's all in. Right? John's like, it's me. Freedom. Right? I mean, John Hancock was all in. I mean, but, but they signed a commitment. Now, li listen, these guys knew, these people knew that if they were caught by the British, this was not a given, but it's possible 
that if they were caught by the British, if they were arrested by the British, it's pretty easy to say, uh, this is your name, isn't it? Yeah, pretty sure it is. You signed it. They declared freedom clearly, publicly. They made the commitment. They signed their name to it. And so they could easily be tried for high treason. Now, we don't, we don't talk about high treason much anymore. We don't use that terminology, high treason. You know, we, if we watch a movie, you might hear that term. But high treason was considered the worst offense you could ever make in a country. I will not spend a history lesson time right now to describe to you the punishment that happened, but it just suffice it to say, the worst imaginable punishment you can imagine, that's what they did to you if you were convicted of high treason. In fact, what you can imagine, I bet that the punishment that they gave to them is worse than what you can imagine. I'll bet. It was bad. These people signed their name, risked their lives, and made a public commitment to not only secure their freedom, but to secure freedom for thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the colonies. Clearly the parallel is there for us spiritually, isn't it? In order for us to gain freedom from sin, we can't just recognize there was a problem. We can't just know that we have to take action. We have to make a commitment to accept Jesus, to accept Christ. In fact, Romans 10.9 tells us exactly what we need to do. It says this. It says, openly declare that Jesus is Lord. Sign your name. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, raised Jesus from the dead. And what will happen? You will be saved. That's the key. I've shared this with many people. I've shared with this with people who are on their deathbed. I shared this is the salvation that you're seeking. Openly declare that Jesus is Lord of your life and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he's not dead anymore, but that he died for you. And Galatians actually 5.1 tells us what happens if we accept Jesus. It says Christ has truly set us free. We get freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from this world. And then it says, stick to your commitment. It says, now make sure that you stay free. Don't rescind this. Don't cross your name out. Stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Uh, just last month, my son, uh, Jackson, we have three kids. Jackson, my, our, our oldest, he just made it onto a soccer team. And it was one of those things where they did the tryouts and, and they were, it, was, it wasn't that nobody made a team. It was like three different teams, you know. And so he got put on this one team. And, uh, and as a part of the email that was sent, it required us within 48 hours to send back an email making a commitment to the team you know, expectations to pay the fees, of course, that was the big one, right? To pay the fees, uh, to be at the practices, to make sure Jackson was properly, uh, you know, his attire was good. All because We had to sign our names to it, so to speak, to say we are committing Jackson. Jackson is going to be a part of the team. He is committing to that, and we are committing to that with him as parents because he obviously can't drive there, right? He's 10, okay? It's going to be a problem. 
So we are committing with him. We are making this commitment. Yes, we're willing to pay the fees. Yes, we're willing to get him to practice. Yes, we're doing it. So the offer of him being on the soccer team was on the table, but it did no good at all for us. We are not a part of the team until we do what? Until we accept it. Until we sign our name to it. Until we say, yes, I'm in. The same is true for you and I. Every one of us. God desires that every person on this planet accepts Jesus, believes in Christ, and declares openly that he is Lord. Why? Because God wants a relationship. He desires nothing more and nothing less than he wants a relationship with us because he loves us. And so what he's done is just like the soccer team, God sent Jesus. It was a little bit higher deal than a soccer team. (laughs) Just a little bit. Right? God sent Jesus to die on a cross in your place and in my place. I'm supposed to be the one on the cross. I'm not. I'm the one in sin, not God. Right? We understand that, right? God is not the one who sinned. God never made a mistake. Yet God is the one that put himself on the cross. And he took our place for us. And in so doing, he made an offer to us. And he said, I want to give you freedom. I already paid the price. I've already done all the work. I've taken care of it. It's done. That's why when Jesus dies, right before Jesus dies, he says, it is finished. It's a done deal. The offer has been made. And what God says is, all you need to do is accept it. Make the commitment to me, Jesus says. Declare that I am Lord Believe that I died on the cross and rose from the dead, and you will be saved. And that is the key. Now, some of us in here, we've wrestled with this decision. I know some of you are here, and you've been a Christ follower for a long time. you followed Jesus for a long, long time. Some of us in here, we've been wrestling. Some of us in here, we've just recently done that in the last few months. And I, and I, I know who you are. I'm, I'm excited for you. I pray for you. Some of us in here, we've never made that decision. We've been to church. We've maybe heard about it. uh, Maybe we've talked about it a little bit. Maybe we haven't talked about it. But we've wrestled with this decision and we're scared of it. Let's be honest. Can we be honest? Can you be honest with yourself and with God? Many of us are scared of this decision because the truth is, hey, let me give you one more parallel. In fact, let's go back to that signature pick. Okay, these guys sign the document, right? They sign their names to it. Okay, the, the truth is the parallel between us gaining freedom and them gaining freedom, it, it, it's just the same thing. It's the same thing. It's amazing. Okay, the parallel is the same. What they had to do was they had to take unbelievable risk. They had to do something that was very scary and unknown in order to secure their freedom. The only difference between this and what we're talking about here is that we can't sign our own document. We had to be, have the document given it to us by Jesus. But the tr- truth is, it's already done. The line is there. Jesus says, you just need to sign it. The offer is there. You just need to sign it. The truth is, on the other side, freedom is always on the other side of risk and change. Did you know that? Freedom is on the other side of risk and change. If you don't have freedom now, then something needs to be different, right? We can't do the same thing, no freedom, and expect then tomorrow without doing anything different. 
Oh, look, tomorrow's freedom. We have freedom now. It doesn't work that way. Something has to change and there has to be a risk taken. And that risk for us, spiritually speaking, is us giving up our life to gain freedom. It doesn't make any sense, does it? We, we put ourselves in bondage to Jesus and in so doing, we gain freedom. It seems wrong, seems opposite. But the question I have for us here today is this. I know that making a commitment is scary. It can be difficult. But the question I have for us here, because we're in two camps this morning, in this room, on the whole planet. It doesn't matter where I, where I am, where we're talking, where you guys are. Everybody's in one of two camps. We're either here and we've accepted Jesus. We've signed our name on the line, so to speak. And we've accepted freedom. We, we are in Christ. We're living with, in a relationship with Jesus. Or we're not. There is no gray area. A lot of people, a lot of Americans would say that there is. If you live a good life, did you know it has nothing to do with living a good life? That will not get you eternity with God. If you're a good person. That won't do it. It won't even come close, in fact. Being a good person is good. (laughs) It's not that I'm like, oh, you're being a good person. You shouldn't. It's just that it's not high enough a standard. Because it has to get to the level of making a commitment to Jesus, to finding freedom in your soul. And so the question I have for you here is, have you accepted Jesus? Have you signed your name on the line, so to speak? Have you made it public? Have you believed, have you said to Jesus, have you said to God, I believe in you and I'm going to openly declare it? Some of us in here, we've never done that. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a minute. Some of the rest of us in here, maybe you're here and you would say that you've already accepted Christ. You believed in Jesus. You can remember when you prayed that prayer, when you made that choice, when you said, I'm all in, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm, I'm good. Maybe you know that you have already done that. But maybe you're here and you're like I kind of hinted at sometimes that I get and, and you've drifted. Maybe you're a follower of Christ, but you've drifted. And you would honestly say, if you would honestly say, when I'm at church, I, I tend to, you know, be a Christian, I act like a Christian, all kind of stuff. But let's be honest, you know, if you were honest with yourself and say, ah, I, just, I just haven't been living right. I haven't, I haven't openly declared that Jesus is Lord. And I'm not saying like you leave and you go to lunch today and be like, hey, did you know Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Hey, is this our booth? Thanks. Awesome. Hey, waiter, waitress. Hey, Jesus is Lord. You know it. Woo-woo. Can I get a whoa, what? Right. What was that, two decades ago? Something like that. Right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we say Jesus is Lord by words and all that stuff. I'm saying that maybe you just feel like you're a little bit of a sellout. You say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I never let anybody know. I certainly don't live like it all that often. I really, let me ask you this. Probably do a series on this at some point. Do you say with your words that you believe in Jesus, but you act like an atheist most of the week? If people looked at you, would they know that you're different? They watch what you do, hear what you say, what you laugh at. 
how you treat people, would they know you're a follower of Christ by who you are? Not today. Today is easy. You're surrounded by Christians. I'm talking about a little later, like in a couple hours. I'm talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about Independence Day. So there's two camps this morning. Maybe you're here and you need to accept Christ. My encouragement is that you would do that if you haven't. Or maybe you're here and you've accepted Christ. You're a follower of Christ. But you would say, you know, I'm not, I, 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 I thought I was all in, but I'm not. I realize now, even maybe just this morning you've realized it, and say, you know, I've been living a little bit of a lie. Maybe not completely, but I just I haven't been doing everything that God wants me to do on a daily basis. Well, I'm going to pray in a minute. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to both of those, depending on which camp you're in. Let's pray. Everybody, close your eyes, heads down. For those of you, anybody in here who they know they have never accepted Christ and they need to do it for the first time. They, need, they want to make that commitment. The offer has been there, but they want to make that commitment. For anybody that's in here that that is the case, I'm going to ask you to do something. I just want you to do something. And this is, if, if you don't feel like it or if you've already accepted Christ, this is not for you at this moment. But if you're here and you don't, you just have never accepted Christ, I just pray if there's anybody here that wants to accept Jesus today, um, just go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody that wants to raise their hand would be willing to make a public commitment of that. Anybody here? those in here who need to accept Christ I pray that they would just say this God today I give my life to you I accept you today Jesus I sign my my name on the line today I want to be free from sin thank you for dying on the cross for me to secure my freedom Today I accept you. Today I follow you. Today I'm going to be known as a follower of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And now for the rest of us in here, anybody else that's in here, who you would say, if you were just being honest with God and honest with yourself, don't lie to God. It's not a good deal. God, if there's anybody in here who needs to do that, anybody in here uh, who who just, they know that they need to up their, their commitment. They, they've, they, they already made the commitment. They just need to increase it. They need, just need to add to it, okay? Take some boldness, some courage here, but I pray that they would just, every eye closed, everybody close your eyes, okay? I want to just see your hands. Let me see your hands. If you feel like you need to recommit, you need to re-up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. God, I pray for all of these that have placed their hands up. 
I pray that you would give them unbelievable strength and courage to live for you. God, may they go from here new and and changed, not because they heard some message or because we sang some good songs, but because they have been touched by your presence, your spirit. Because without you, God, really none of this is even worth anything. And so I pray for each one of them that you give them boldness, that you give them strength to do what you have called them to do, whatever that is. May they be known because of their words and their actions that they are a follower of Christ, that they are a follower of Jesus, they're a Christian. May people see it on them, even if they don't even know them. I pray that for all of us now. Help us to find and experience freedom that only comes through you, Jesus. I thank you for this time. I thank you for who you are. Thank you for taking our place on the cross so that we have the offer of freedom. We pray all this in your name, the matchless name, the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.